Let's pray. Oh dear Jesus, we ask you to come among us now with your Holy Spirit and guide us as we read your word and as we discuss your word. Lord, I pray that you would apply it to our hearts so that we may be equipped as you tell us that you will do so that we can share it with our community and with the world. Uh, Guide us now as we learn in Jesus' name. Amen. In your Bibles, Acts chapter 21, starting with verse 37, is where we will be today. Acts chapter 21, starting with verse 37. So, we've been discussing Paul and his missionary journeys last week. Last week, we were at the point to where Paul was arrested. Paul has been arrested, and, and this is at the temple that... The, Jews are trying to kill Paul at this point. He's, uh, he's preached to them and he's done some other things that they didn't like. And, and they have created a mob and they're trying to kill Paul. And the Roman soldiers arrested him and they had to carry him on their shoulders just so Paul wouldn't be killed just to keep him alive because all the Jews around him are attacking him. They're taking Paul up the steps to the fortress and just as they're probably getting to the top, Paul says to the commander, verse 37, may I have a word with you? Right before he was going in the fortress, on the shoulders probably of these guards, he says, may I have a word with you. Now, uh, this got the commander's attention. Uh, How do you think it got the commander's attention? Was it because Paul was being polite? If Paul was on their shoulders, like it says immediately before that, he for sure was. Uh, do you think Paul had tapped the, the soldier that he was riding on his shoulder, tapped him on his shoulder, hey, may, may I have a word with you? I, I, I just don't think that that would have got the soldier's attention. You know, there's a, a mob around trying to kill this dude that you're taking up, and you're probably taking um, some blows uh, that are meant for Paul, the dude that's on your shoulder. You're probably not going to get uh, sidetracked by the fellow saying, hey, May I have a word with you? Maybe he's talking talking to the commander who may not have been the guy carrying him. And I don't think he got his attention by being demanding either. You know, because if we put, if we put ourselves there and imagine, maybe maybe Paul said, "Hey, Roman soldier, listen to me. May I have a word with you?" Because after all, if he would have made that soldier angry. Okay, fine, if you're going to be like that, we'll just drop you and let the crowd take care of you. But something, something that Paul said got the soldier's attention and the commander's attention. It wasn't politeness and it wasn't demanding, no. It was the way Paul said it. Paul spoke in Greek. The other half of that verse, verse 37, he said, the soldier said, Do you know Greek? 
He was surprised. Do you know Greek? Paul spoke in his own language, in the commander's language. And that got his attention. That surprised him. In verse 38, the commander says, Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the Assyrians out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Sicilia, which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic or or Hebrew. Are you the Egyptian? The commander said, if you're a Bible nerd, uh, maybe you wonder uh, why he was suspected to be the Egyptian. Now, um, some, some commentaries say that, that they thought he would have been a fellow named Josephus. The only reason that the, that, that name it might be interesting to you if you're a Bible nerd is that Josephus was a fellow who recorded a lot of history and it's like one of the largest, um, largest, most complete secondary resources to our scripture. It's not in scripture, he's not there, um, but we read a lot of good stuff that supports scripture. And So it is speculated that maybe he thought that Paul was Josephus. We don't know and it doesn't really matter. Because it's the way that Paul says it. The language. So our first point for today is the way you say it. Now what's it? The way you say what? Well, this could be uh, several different things. It could be the way you communicate to your spouse. It could be the way that you communicate good news to someone you don't know. How you say it makes a difference. The language you use for communication, for sharing the good news. So, maybe all of you are aware of love languages. Do you all know what love languages are? So there's different love languages that we can use. And if you have a spouse or a loved one or a family member, it's a good idea to figure out what love language they speak in. Because life will be better and more productive if you're able to speak in their love language. Uh, Like the Roman soldier, uh, the Roman commander, when Paul spoke in his own language or his language, uh, the Roman commander uh, listened and paid attention to him. Men, if you speak in your wife's love language, I can almost guarantee that they will uh, stop and listen for a little bit, at least more likely to than if you're speaking in not their love language. So some love languages are uh, words of affirmation. Uh, this means, uh, you know, a person feels a pr- who feels appreciated uh, usually does more than, than what's required of them. So if your loved one, their love language is, is words of affirmation, tell them Uh, how much you care for them, how good of a job they're doing. Use these words and they will listen to you. Uh, Maybe their love language is uh, being short and sweet and direct and not using all the fluff. Uh, Figure that out. Figure out what language they have and and use that to your advantage. Uh, 
Maybe this could be the cultural language that you use, the way that you say it. You know, young people uh, tend to speak a little bit differently than the older folks. They have their own sort of sort of slang. Um, n- not too much uh, earlier in this week, there was a uh, uh, an event coming up. It was the pregame hangout, and and I guess uh, my girls didn't know that uh, that was going on, and so I was telling the pregame hangout, and they didn't know that was happening this year, and so one of them said, "Oh, that's a thing. That that's a that's a thing." I mean, everything's a thing, right? But evidently, the 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 new the new uh, words are that they use are a thing. So if it's a thing, that means it's actually happening. If you didn't know the language of a young person, that would sound kind of weird. Oh, they're a thing. That means they're in a relationship. Uh, you know, church is a thing. That means we're having church. And if church is not a thing, anyway, it gets really complicated. So you have to uh, be a little bit in touch with how the young people are speaking if you want to communicate with them effectively. Same thing goes the other way for you younger folks. If you want to effectively communicate to your parents or your grandparents or an older older person who needs to know Jesus... Uh, you figure out how to be respectful in their way of speaking, how to show wisdom and respect and use those kind of words. It's probably not best for you to speak to an older person the same way you would speak to your uh, best friend or your brother or sister your cultural language. Another thing I think is important for us to keep in mind is that Paul is using an actual language to get across to this commander. And this is something that will be good in our lives. You know, Scripture outlines in several places where the Holy Spirit enabled the believers to speak in actual other languages to get the Word of God out to the people who could understand that. This happened on Pentecost. And I think this reminds us it's a good idea to be well-rounded, to know lots of things. And maybe this means to, to learn other languages, to know words of other languages, because you know people that know these languages. Um, this could be very important. Uh, stretch yourselves. Uh, when I was in South Korea... Uh, and in all the the months that I stayed there, uh, one one of the few um, few other people that were Americans that I, that I saw there was uh, two uh, Mormon missionary fellows from Indiana, farm boys. Uh, they 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 uh, were in Korea and they were spreading their their ideas, and they could speak Korean very fluently and that was a great advantage for them when they would speak Korean because they would study it every day and they studied it before they went the South Korean natives there would listen to what they have to say they were surprised these two fellas that don't look like they're from here can speak just as good as we can in our own language so they listened I had the disadvantage the 
things that I could say in South Korea is I need food or uh, you know help me uh, get home uh, at least at the first part if we're able to learn about the things in other folks life and use that to share the gospel then we'll be much better off and they will be more likely to listen and then finally on this this first point uh, Paul is polite he uses the word uh, please please uh, let me speak to these people reminds us to be polite when we want to share our faith a second point is to use our testimony. Paul has the attention now. Everyone has, be, has, has quieted down, and they are there before him. He is on the steps, and then he gives his testimony. And I know I've encouraged all of you to do that before, how powerful your testimony is. Um, but it's worth saying again, your testimony is probably the most powerful thing that you can share with others to get them to put their faith in Jesus. First point is they can't argue with your testimony. It's real and it happened to you. And you can share about it with passion because you know how it felt and what kind of a change it brought about. Acts chapter 22 verse 3. In verse 3 here it says, Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, as his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you. When he begins to tell his testimony, he says, I am like you he claims likeness he said you know i'm a jew um i was born in tarsus and and i was educated under the fellow that they would know i was a student so as he was saying that the people are more likely to listen to him oh he's he's kind of one of us when you're sharing a gospel message, if you claim likeness to the parts of that person that you are like, they're more likely to hear what you are saying. And notice here that Paul, uh, Paul said he was educated in Jerusalem and carefully trained on Jewish laws and customs. Now, it doesn't matter how much a person is educated in, in school or in college, but it is good for us to be educated in some sort of fashion. The more that we know about others and their lives, uh, the better. So I would encourage you to seek out every educational opportunity possible. Paul mentioned this right before he gave his testimony. He begins, he says, basically, uh, I was persecute, I was persecuting others. I was that guy who was uh, just kind of like you guys. I was, I was extra hard on the people who were believing in Jesus. I was basically going the opposite way that God wanted me to go in. 
And I was going full force in the opposite way. And then, then I realized uh, that that wasn't the way that where I was heading full force in that opposite direction was not a good thing. Fellas, where that gets you if you continued down that road is, is hell. And we don't talk about hell as much as we as should because hell is not a good thing to think about. None of us want to consider hell. None of us want to think about what it's like. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, The, the cowards, uh, unbelievers, corrupt, murderous, immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death, it says. This is just a clue of what hell can be like. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, They will be punished with eternal destruction forever, separated from the Lord and His glorious power. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, it likens uh, hell to a fire, a burning furnace, and it says that it is eternal. Hell is not a good place, and we don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Paul didn't want to go there. It's a very real place. And praise Jesus that we don't have to go there. We don't have to go to this horrible place that Scripture talks so much about because of what Jesus has done for us. We can put our faith in Him and everything that we've ever done, every sin is taken from us by the blood of Jesus, washed, cleaned, perfectly whole, just because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. And so Paul, Paul is telling him his uh, conversion story, and, and he gets to the point to where he was going the full wrong direction, and then he changed directions. Now this is the part of your testimony that's super, super important. Because this is the very thing, the very experience that you want the person that you are talking to, to start having. You want them to come to the point to where they are turning around. He says, as I was on the road to Damascus. He tells about his experience. A bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me and I fell on the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus came to him and shared the powerful thing that he had planned. Now, Paul said, what should I do? A little bit later on. What should I do, Lord? When we're sharing the word of God to somebody, this is, uh, this is the point that we will come to where they are ready to make a change. You know, some folks come to the point in their life where they're ready to do something. They're ready to take action, but they're not sure what to do. All right, I realize that 
Things aren't working well this way. What do I do about it? We have to be ready to answer that, ready to help them walk through that. Uh, Paul says in his conversion story, verse 16 says, the Lord told him to go to Damascus, by the way, and and this is a a fellow named Ananias telling Paul this in his conversion story. The Lord told him to go there, and, and there will be a man to tell you what to do. And so, in the words of Ananias, he says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Here it's told to us. Here's what we do. In a way, uh, we turn from what we were doing, where we were going. We repent. It's called repentance. And we, we start that old faith engine. You know the old, uh, the old engines that used to run on, on kerosene um, and maybe the old engines that were in the first uh, John Deere tractors. They had these, these big old flywheels big heavy flywheels and then they they had a few cylinders um and and they would pop one cil- one cylinder would pop and it would keep this flywheel going and so we have these things in our lives that are like the cylinders like like the spark plugs of our life and and they are uh, scripture tells us that their prayer pray constantly and they are things like uh, reading God's word and and maybe this is creating habits to where you spend time with other Christians who can influence you in a positive way making habits that will uh, improve your ability to respect God and so the more cylinders we create the better. We get that flywheel of faith spinning and turning so that uh, when one of these things starts to fail, maybe we forget to read our scripture every day for a few days or for a week long, and the other cylinders that we have are going to be still enough to keep us going, just enough to where we can get back on our feet. But the more of these we have, and the more we are firing on, that flywheel of faith is going to keep going. Pop, pop. And we want more and more of those so that our engine is running full force and has plenty of torque to get us doing what we need to do, what God is calling us to do. You want enough of those uh, good things uh, that change in your life to keep you going. And then we obey what God is telling you. Uh, What's God saying? What's God telling you? Well, he's, he's probably telling you, uh, man, wash them sins away. The, the blood of Jesus took care of all those sins that you have brought before him. Leave them behind. Your past truly isn't your past if it's still affecting your present. That's a quote that I got from a book um, is by Tim Clinton and Max Davis, uh, it is uh, your past is truly isn't your past if it's still affecting your present. And how much do we we keep dragging ourselves over things that happened in the past? We keep uh, fretting about them and, and worrying about them, uh, letting them hold us back when. Man, the blood of Jesus took care of all of them. If we could just move forward and let go of them. And Paul did. Think about the past that Paul had. 
is going the complete opposite way that God wanted him to. He was persecuting, killing the Christians. And, and if, uh, if Kevin Beebe were here, he would, he would understand this because I quote Kevin sometimes and, and I probably don't get it exactly right. Use maybe different words. But in his words, you, you put that dude in four-wheel drive and you whip it around right in the middle of the intersection. You don't wait until you get to the next place that's easy to turn around. You turn it around and go the complete opposite way because if you keep heading down that wrong road, it leads to a place where you don't want to be. You don't want to get too stuck. Turn it around. And Paul did. Paul turned completely around. Flipped that dude around right in the middle of the road. He gives his testimony. This is, this is what happened to me and this is what I did. And the crowd listened until, until he said something. So he said that God was sending him to the Gentiles. I encourage you to give your testimony every chance you can get. And I'm also telling you that there might be a word in that testimony that will cause somebody to uh, not be happy. And this was the case here. You know, maybe I wonder if uh, if Paul wouldn't have said that God wanted him to go to the Gentiles. If if Christianity was was just for the Jews, would more Jews have been have been converted to Christianity? I don't know. They wanted it just for the Jews uh, back then. The Scripture tells us, but it wouldn't be Christianity. It wouldn't be the faith of Jesus if it didn't include everyone to have that opportunity. So Paul says, God was sending is sending me to the Gentiles. Our third point for today is use your citizenship advantage. They tied Paul down when they got him inside the fortress. They got him safe from all of the, the folks that were trying to kill him. And that they, they tied him down and they pulled out the whip. Acts chapter 22, verse 25 when they tied Paul down and lashed, um, to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen without trying them? Mm. They had the whip out. And it seems like that... Uh, Paul had just waited until just the right time and then he said, hey, I'm a Roman. You see, Romans had certain rights that you couldn't uh, punish a Roman citizen until he had been tried and and found guilty. Uh, Evidently, you could others, but not to Romans. Paul knows this. He used this strategy before uh, when he was in, in Philippi and they put him in prison and um, he used this strategy to, to tell the others, hey, wait, th- we can't let them get away with this. We're Roman citizens. Um, and he used that. So verse 26 says, When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. 
Paul answered, But I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. Paul waited till just the right time, it seems. Not a minute too soon, you know. Paul has a gut of iron. And it is at the right time he he drops the R-bomb. The commander, those around him, you're a Roman? You know that feeling when you've almost made a really bad decision? But, but you didn't, but you almost did. One time I was working on one of my vehicles, and I, I had that dude jacked up. Uh, I had the, the front wheels taken off of it, and, and I had a little bottle jack on, underneath of it, and I was about to crawl under there and to change the part or get some, get some more information on what wrench I need to change that part. And just as I was about to slip under there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through the words of my dad in the past. Always use a block or a jack stand. Never rely on just your one jack. And I, I, I struggle with that. I don't want to just take a second. Uh, no, I better. And as I stood up and turned around to go get the wrench, the car fell off of the jack because it was on unstable ground. <laughs> right on the ground, flat, no tires. I got that feeling, man. I would have been under that car. I would have been skinnier than I am now if that would have happened. Smashed. It kind of makes you feel almost sick a little bit. I think we need to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit when He speaks to us like that. A man, the commander, he must have been sick. He almost had this a Roman citizen physically punished And if he would have made that mistake, he may have lost his job or worse. He may have been disciplined just like he ordered Paul to be. Paul stood up for his right as a Roman citizen. And he's an example for others to do the same at that time. Folks, we shouldn't be afraid to claim our rights as American citizens. Rights like the free uh, free speech, the right to gather, the right to worship. Man, the separation of church and state doesn't mean that the state has control. It means that the state is not to interfere with our worship. What Rome wanted was to maintain peace throughout their empire. Maybe you've heard uh, the Pax Romana. This is basically a Latin for uh, Roman peace. It's it's a 200-year span about the the uh, under the Roman government there was um, mostly peace as long as you were following the law. You were free to do what you want, but if you didn't do what the law says, you were punished. But this is known as a time where uh, there was peace among those who were uh, who were living there and following the rule. Now, Paul's faith in Jesus would have worked well under a Roman government. He would have been able to live his faith out. Jesus calls us to peace, 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, uh, says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as a member of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. And in John chapter 14 verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace. We don't want to cause pain or destruction. A Christian wants the same peace that he has. He wants that for everyone else. We profess the same faith in Jesus that Paul did. And it fits well in our American government that was founded on moral principles uh, of Christian values but we've got to stand up for the rights that we have as American citizens or they will be taken from us Paul could have remained silent he could have remained silent and he couldn't he could have decided not to say anything and just took the beating and if he would have done that he would have made life harder on the next Christian if it was me in Paul's situation getting up there, I would have been dropping the, the R word the whole way up the stairs. I'm a Roman, I'm a Roman. Don't just, just in case you're thinking about beating me, don't. I deserve a trial. Uh, Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen at, at just the right time. We are American citizens. We are free to take care of ourselves. We can gather together to worship and we can profess our faith openly. Let's stand up for that. Let's take advantage of that every day. Sharing the good news of eternal life in heaven because of Jesus and His sacrifice for our sins. I want you to think about the way you say it. When you're communicating with your loved one or when you're giving the gospel message to someone that you don't know, how you say it is important. And I want you to use your testimony in every chance that you get because that's the most powerful way that you can probably share the gospel, your testimony. And I want you to use your citizenship advantage not all people have that advantage in other countries and other places of the world. We do, so why wouldn't we use that? Listen, the gospel message is, is for everyone out there, and we want to, to share that with them because it is life-changing and it is life-giving. We want that life everlasting for everyone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the goodness that you have allowed us to take part in. We glorify your name and ask that you would help us to get through the difficult times. Lord, this is a sinful world. And often, God, the world doesn't know that they may be facing hell if they don't put their faith in you. They don't want to believe that, God. 
Help us to share reality with, with those who don't believe.